This is an MVP podcast. My Village Productions. Welcome to Sipping Tea, a show where we explore the random thoughts that pop up at the most inconvenient times. I'm your host, Andy. Hello. It's me. And I'm Mita. Smoke weed every day. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) So... I don't know what month it is, but we're talking about June, July. Whoa. See, I don't know July. what month it is. Wow. <laughs> See, nobody knows what's happening. I was like, when's America's birthday? July. It's early July. July. So we are in July. In July. Uh, so we're going to talk about our favorite moments in American history. Yes. Why not? Yeah. It's all not terrible. No, it's not all terrible. I picked a, it's good for me. It's bad for America. But mm-hmm. I picked a thing that I enjoy. I made, um, choices okay. we'll get there we'll get there yeah but uh so yeah we'll get there but before that i want to play a game that's what andy does andy plays game andy's a I game player play, i like to play games <laughs> run up on me ho <laughs> don't run up on me please don't <laughs> <laughs> so sensitive so scared so who's going first i'm going first because cool, you man. went first last week see i don't remember that <laughs> oh man so would you rather have everything on your phone right now browsing history photos contacts everything made public to anyone who searches your name or never use a cell phone again never use a cell phone i know i'm so anti-technology it's heartbreaking literally i it's funny we know each other so well that like when i read these questions i i automatically know which one you're going to choose and i've yet to be wrong that's true (laughs) that's true she's predictable she's reliable she's steadfast she's not changing her opinions no. any. she's stubborn she's not wishy-washy like and some of us would rather not have a cell phone um no it sucks because i love cell phones i love technology mm-hmm. i love the connectivity it's just that we really really use it for the worst possible things True. um but also i also wouldn't care if somebody took my i don't i'm, I'm not out here taking titty pictures and i don't have weird contacts and i don't have weird conversations yeah. on my phone. it's like it's literally a means to converse well, with people i know in my day-to-day life so and it's not for me that first half it's for you would be more about just the privacy fact of it yeah you are like a private person yeah literally reading that i'm like that's the only thing that would like irk her about that but yeah then it's it would like, be like oh you know all of my friends and family but that's about it right that's yeah there's nothing in there that's gonna i got her like oh she has nothing in her checking account so <laughs> she's been reading mind comp on her oh phone. no not hitler's struggle <laughs> yeah no get rid of the phone absolutely truly all right this one's interesting oh no <laughs> i think it's these, interesting for me i know usually, what i would pick these usually get me no it's not it's not like it's not weird Okay. It's just interesting. Would you rather suddenly be elected a senator, mm. senator, or suddenly become a CEO of a major company? Ooh. So it's like I it's just you're suddenly thrown in the position. Honestly, if I was suddenly thrown into either one of those positions, what a nightmare. Yeah. But then <laughs> <laughs> right? Cuz you got to be a psycho for for both of them. Yeah. Um but honestly, I think I would prefer senator senator? Yeah, like um, state senator. Because then I could actually attempt to affect change somehow. And you still make the same money as a CEO. Yeah. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. Yeah. Yeah. First order of business. That's the right answer. Firing all the police that shot Breonna Taylor. <laughs> I mean, for, it's just going to be like immediately. We've got some cleanup to do. We got some reparations that are due. So many reparations. And I due. will just, I just want to throw this out there. Y'all really stop talking about Black Lives Matter real quick yeah. brianna taylor's killers are still, still out there as still she police was, officers aren't they she was murdered 
while sleep. sleeping in her bed. Yeah. Not doing a damn thing. And y'all forgot about it. Yeah. Well, that's the history of America, though, right? Yeah. Like, white men already ha- always had everything. Then black yeah. men get stuff. Then women of all races. Yeah. <laughs> they don't care. Of all races. They don't care about your races. Just I know. Women just, are always last. So. Just keep saying her name. We need, they still have jobs. Yeah. They're still getting paid. Like they have, They're paying their mortgage. They're, they're, they're going to the movies. They're not wearing their mask. Um, they're still raising their children to be yeah. racist bigots. Um, those kids will become police officers and senators in the future. Mm-hmm. Like it's a, it's a perpetual cycle that needs to be stopped. Because mm-hmm. in my opinion, you murder somebody, you should probably like search for time for it. Probably. Probably. And just like a little George Floyd's murder did not get enough time no. in my opinion, but he was fully but gooped was, and, I, and I live for that face. I literally, I think I texted our friend and I was like, you know, it's better than nothing, but like, it's still not enough. That's where we're at. We're just trying to get something. Yeah. So they gave us a little something, but when you're, when you're suddenly a Senator, we're going to get a lot more. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Like anyway, that. that was a rant. No, no, no. That's good. Say your name. Never forget. Just fuck these hoes. Justice. <laughs> That's Justice. all like it seems and it's so wild. That's that's something that we have to beg for. Like, yeah, humanity, justice, yeah. equality. Um, it's bad. Like <laughs> everything's bad. So you are absolutely right. Keep ranting. Yes. Keep it up, friend. Black lives still matter. 715 2021. <laughs> <laughs> and for always. And for all and and for the foreseeable fucking future in America. So get it together. Get it together. Get it together. Wow. So now that we've talked about some really trashy American subjects, <laughs> let's get into some of our favorite let's moments. Get into some learning. Do you want to go first? I mean, I can. Okay. All right. My favorite moment in American history. Yes. It's like a book report. My favorite moment <laughs> in American history. So I'm going with the Stono Rebellion okay. in 1739, Ooh, which led to the back, creation back, back. of the Negro Act of 1740. Let's get into it. Okay. Get into it. Firstly, mm-hmm. let's give some definitionals here. Please do. What is a slave rebellion? What is it? It is an armed uprising by enslaved people as a means to fight for their freedom. Okay. So what I'm saying is I'm here for it. I support it. Let's always do that. Absolutely. Okay, cool. (laughs) Absolutely. And then also just like a little bit of a trigger warning. There's nothing positive, good, uplifting, um, not horrific about slavery in America. Like America's slavery past. Yes. So it's not going to be pretty in a rebellion either. There's no such thing as like a a casual war. A peaceful rebellion. Yeah, like that's not how it works. So just trigger warning, skip ahead if you don't want to hear about death. All right, so. (laughs) Wait, give him a moment. Give him a, get a moment. And now we are going to hit him with a. Oh shit, oh shit. Let's go. Yeah. On Sunday, September 9th, 1739. Okay. Approximately 20 enslaved people joined together to rebel against the slaveholders in South Carolina and fight for their freedom. Okay. Um, the reason they picked a Sunday is because Sunday back then was like the holy day. So nobody mm-hmm. worked, including enslaved Africans at the time. This is 1739. Yeah. So these were not um, people who were born in America. These are still mm-hmm. people who came, I hate to say it, but fresh off the boat. Um, so yeah. these were enslaved Africans. So the group got together on a Sunday afternoon and they were decided they were going to rebel. They were going to take some lives they were going to kill some white people. And they were headed south to Spanish Florida. Okay. Now, one thing that a lot of people might not know mm-hmm. is that when Florida was owned by the Span- the Spanish, yeah. it was uh, there was no enslavement. There was no slavery there. Okay. So uh, they were they were heading south to Florida, which sounds opposite. You want to think North Canada. But in mm-hmm. 1739, you're headed south to Florida. Like- um, oh, go ahead. 
I don't know. It just sounds like the best thing that Florida's ever done. It, in, and it's in closer. Before yeah. Before they became well, a part of Well, and then America got it from Spain and it all went to fucking hell. So, <laughs> which Spain still kept it. So, <clears throat> what they were doing at the time in the 1730s was Spain, I guess they had multiple governors because this was like okay. a territory. 1739 is pre-America. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah. This is the 13 colonies. These are no, not states. So, this was, mm-hmm. I think, the Carolina colony. Um, but the region is South Carolina. Okay. So the governors in Florida at this time had been kind of posting to enslaved people all throughout the colonies that if you escaped or got your freedom in somehow mm-hmm. and you headed to Spanish Florida, you would maintain or you would have your freedom. So they knew oh. as soon as they crossed the line, okay. Spain was like, we're not going to like send you back. There's no Fugitive Slave Act, all that Spain stuff. Spain so. gets it. They were cool at the time. They, they yeah. were doing some stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Spain did some fucked up shit. All of them did. <laughs> everyone has. In this instance, Spain was being pretty cool, man. You're all right. And I'm, and I'm voting for you in all the soccer matches. <laughs> yes. Soccer <laughs> matches. Soccer matches. So the leader of this rebel group, his name was Jemmy. J-E-M-M-Y. All right. It's a name. 1739. We let it go. Tiny. I mean, it wasn't his name. I don't like that. I mean, obviously it wasn't his name because yeah. he was a Congolese uh, descent, which uh, at this time, a majority of people brought in from Africa were from the Congo area. So okay. Congolese. Um, and he happened to be literate. He okay. was one of the few literate uh, enslaved men at that time. And because most of the people brought over from Africa at that time were from the Congo region, they were also Congolese. And the group of people that joined Jemmy for this rebellion, the 20 mm-hmm. or so people who joined him, uh, they were former Congolese soldiers, which means they okay. had weapons training. So they okay. all got together and they were like, I know how to fuck shit up. We should fuck up some white people. And they were like, bet. And then they went ahead. Bet. <laughs> Fucking down, man. So they all... We're getting together. We're gathering at the Stono River, mm-hmm. S-T-O-N-O, which is uh, what the Stono Rebellion is named for. Okay. They all gathered at the, ri- the, the river, and they headed over to a nearby warehouse-like kind of um, store Okay, called Hutchinson's. So it's like Costco. Yeah, it's like the little 1739. It's like the little oh, general store. That's the word. There you go. It's like a warehouse-like little general store. So this was their first initial raid, and this was to get supplies and okay. everything you need to get to Spanish Florida, basically. Fuck shit up. Right. So, of course, you get in there. You're an enslaved uh, person. You don't have anything. You don't have any money. So you got to mm-hmm. murder everyone. Yeah. So that's exactly what they did. Uh, they decapitated the bodies of those white people. They put their heads on the front step to let white people know, oh, yes, sir, it has popped off on this here day. It hath been brought. It hath been brought. <laughs> It's going down. (laughs) Okay. So let them all know y'all should be afraid. We're getting it together. Yeah. So after doing that, they kind of headed south just through the town, kind of following the Stono River. Okay. Uh, They uh, burned all the properties that they came across. Okay. uh, Killed every white person they came across, including women and children, because rebellions are not for... There's no, there's no separation. You're either Forrester against us. Yeah. In 1739, you were white, you were against us. So you got to die. You brought me here. You brought, you kidnapped me. Yeah. Destroyed everything that I love yeah, yeah, and know. Yeah. And then you think this is going to be casual? Nah, sis, you gots to die. <laughs> gots to die. So of course, as they move through town to town, plantation to plantation, they yes. come across other enslaved Africans at the time. Some people joined the rebellion, but okay. obviously some did not. Um, it's scary. It's scary. It's terrifying. And then like all good slave rebellions that have happened throughout world history, there were some who actually stayed at like stayed on their land or whatever and actually tried to hide the white people as people came along. So there was, you know, it, it happens in every rebellion. But by the time they had gotten uh, a little ways down the road, they had about 100 people in the rebellion. Okay. So 100 uh, enslaved Africans got together, decapitations, burnings and getting their freedom. OK, 
makes sense. Yeah. So as they as they headed south, um, they were chanting. They were carrying banners because they knew how to write, okay. uh, or at least Jemmy did knew how to write. They were carrying banners that had the word liberty, which Americans would love, mm-hmm. and then they were chanting the uh, Key Congo word for liberty, which is Lukongo. Lukongo, okay. I think. So they were chanting, carrying signs, letting people know what they were pretty much heading for, what you're marching for. Yeah. So eventually, uh, as they make their way south, they had come. They had at this point killed around 20 white people before they were intercepted by a South Carolina militia. Okay. Um, and then uh, that militia just kind of murked everybody oh, wow. <laughs> in the okay. rebellious group. Because obviously an armed militia of white men, 1739, against a not as armed uh, rebellious group mm-hmm. of enslaved people it's an unfair battle, but, um, a few of the people in the rebellion group, they actually managed to escape the slaughtering by the militia and they continued to head South and made it about 30 miles, uh, farther South from that area. Okay. Um, and they stayed there. They were kicking it for about a week. They were actually able to travel for a week, just making it farther and farther and farther South. Okay. But eventually there was a second battle. They came across another militia, um, and pretty much all of the rebellious, uh, or the rebels, I'll call them mm-hmm. were either murdered. Okay. And then a handful who weren't murdered were sold to slave markets in the West Indies. So I want to talk about the West Indies because the West Indies was fucked up during the slave trade. So first of all, I don't know if you knew this, but I don't Mm. know a lot of about the West Indies. I didn't know really what it was. I didn't really know. I knew it was part of like the normal like trade route for right, like right. everybody. But like where it was, I was like, I think I, in my head, I heard West Indies and I was like, oh, somewhere in the Caribbean. Yeah. And honestly, yeah, that's about it. So <laughs> it's pretty much like the strip of all the islands. When you picture the Caribbean, it, that's pretty much the West mm-hmm. Indies, right? Um, so it's about 7,000 islands stretching over about 2,000 miles okay. from Florida to Venezuela. Okay. And the, when you look at it on a map, it's pretty much everything north and northeast and east of the caribbean sea okay so it's all those islands so we're thinking cayman islands puerto rico jamaica cuba dominican republic haiti bahamas barbados pretty much everything like when you picture the caribbean that's the west indies so at this time after this the the stono slave rebellion had kind of been squashed and some of those slaves were sent to the west indies the reason they did that is because south carolina the colony of that area was actually like the hub of slavery in america the first enslaved africans were brought over to virginia which we know Okay, but South Carolina, I mean, they they just doubled down on their economy being only rooted in slavery. Okay, so uh, it was like a it was a trade hub. So what (sighs) this part actually pissed me off. So what a lot of white people would do is when enslaved Africans would make it through the horrendous three months middle passage to the United States, Mm -hmm. then they would buy these people and then put them back on a slave ship and send them to the West Indies so they could get quote unquote seasoned, which was essentially you would take enslaved Africans, buy them in America, ship them to the West Indies so they could just. I guess learn how to be slaves, but I mean, at the end of the day, it's just destroying lives and yeah. ruining people. And to call it seasoning the same way that you do to a cast iron pan was triggering. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't like that part. Well, it's like what people do with their dogs. Yeah, you send them off to training. Yeah, but this was humans yeah. that you kidnapped and took. Yeah, then put them through horrendous middle passage shit, and then put them back on a boat and shipped them away. Mm-hmm. It, nonsense, absolute nonsense. Um. Also, I put a little note in here. You can't tell me that I'm not the descendant of the strongest fucking people on this planet. That's all I'm adding. (laughs) So the reason I like the Stono Rebellion and the reason it's important is because Mm -hmm. the Stono Rebellion is actually... 
it actually led to like everything that we know as the worst parts of slavery. Okay. Because this was 1739. This was relatively early. Slavery had been around for what is this, 120 years Mm -hmm. in America. So it was still pretty, it wasn't casual. It still sucked, but there weren't like legislation. There weren't as many laws around enslaved people until the Stono Rebellion. That was the first one where like African enslaved people uprose like caused a rebellion and took some lives okay so i'm gonna uh loosely quote this information i got from margaret washington she's the associate professor of history at cornell university okay so stone is important because it changed the face of slavery in south carolina and it solidified slavery in a way that had never existed before 19 or 1739 okay um so after stono <laughs> this part's kind of funny white people le- white people believed that the issue with slavery was enslaved Africans instead of what they called Negroes. So the original definition of Negroes were the children of enslaved Africans who were born in America. Okay. So basically Negroes, I mean, it does equal black, but it's like the political definition of what black is in America today, which is to be the descendant of enslaved Africans. Technically black Americans. Black Americans. But because because we weren't people at that time, we were like a thing that was born. So what they, I think the term that they used was american-born africans slash negroes right yeah um so the first thing which this was interesting the first thing that white people wanted to do after the stono uh rebellion was end the transatlantic slave trade because they thought the problem was that people from africa were more rebellious and more dangerous than black people born in america which pretty much the same at that time um so what they did was they actually ended the transatlantic slave trade for 10 years okay Let's put the white people enslaved and see if they rebel. I mean, I'm waiting for the day. <laughs> I'm waiting because for the day. Because then they'll learn that the issue is not just that they where, where they came from. It's, it's just that humanity. Sh- yeah. Yeah. It's just humanity. Wild. And a lack of it. So the first thing they did was cut off the transatlantic slave trade. Unfortunately, okay. because of the entire economics of the South of the American South, they couldn't mm-hmm. do that. They okay. had to bring in more people. So eventually, after that 10 year break, they did re up um, the transatlantic straight or restart, I guess I should say. Okay. Um, however, white people decided to steal Africans from all over the Western coast of Africa mm. instead of just the Northern Western horn, which okay. is like where the con- where the Congolese and stuff are. So this fed into white people's mythology about which regions of Africa cr- or bred, I guess they would say the best servants oh, when in actuality, what ended up happening and you're welcome. America is that when, <laughs> when they started stealing black, black Africa or Africans, I guess, from the western coast of Africa, mm-hmm. they brought over different tribes who all had different um, like backgrounds in agriculture. They yeah, grew yeah, different yeah. crops. Obviously, what you grow on the southern side is not what you're going to grow on the north. Da, 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 da. Definitely. And the crop at the time that was taking off in America, rice, which was brought over from yeah. enslaved Africans brought from Africa. Rice was brought to America because of us. And because we were the incredible rice growers, it ended up being an incredible um, profitable crop okay. that was born in America. So that's another reason why Stono was important. It literally led to all of these mm-hmm. changes. Um, it's also the beginning of large-scale slavery in South Carolina. So before okay. it was moderate, and then this is when all of a sudden one rich white guy would have hundreds of enslaved Africans. Okay. So it was it was it was on a bigger level because you had more rice, more land, mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, and this also led to you you would think if I saw this, mm-hmm. if I saw some heads on the stairs, because I was gonna go get some chapstick. And then the mur- like the owner's murdered. I'd be like, oh, we probably shouldn't like do this to people. Like these are humans who are fighting for their freedom. We should probably stop yeah, 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 all yeah. of this. Just like 
we got to figure it out, but yeah. we should probably stop all of this. Nah. Instead, what white people decided was that black people needed to be, quote, utterly controlled. And so oh. this was also the, the Stoner Rebellion also led to the Negro Act in 1740. So mm-hmm. literally the next year. What was the, the Negro Act? Well, the Negro Act made it illegal for enslaved Africans to move abroad, assemble in groups, raise food, earn money, or learn to write. Okay. So it made it illegal to learn how to write. However, okay. there still was no uh, legal precedent for learning how to read. Okay. So that's interesting. Like they didn't like the banners, I guess. <laughs> I guess they didn't like the Liberty banners because <laughs> it like pulled at white people's uh, fucking heartstrings or something like yeah. that. And gag on this, the act remained in effect until 1865. Oh, wow. Yeah. So Stoner Rebellion of 1739. Nice. It kicked off. A, a lot. lot of what we yeah. know as the main part of slavery, this was like the catalyst for a lot of it. Okay. So it's important and everyone should know it. Everyone should know about <laughs> it. Oh, man, that's crazy. Right? Good times. Good, good times. times. I mean, you know, it got us where we're at. Not and it's good better, times, but, but <laughs> I know what you're saying. Yeah. You... History is fascinating and we should know the good and the bad. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so mine is essentially about some of just the tomfoolery that happened during uh prohibition oh hell yeah i love prohibition <laughs> it was a good time okay but what's wild is i get it right and i get why they did it it was because they so the whole reason prohibition came about at first at first was because they needed to divert things like grains mm-hmm. to the war yeah we kind of like need to feed the to the first world war. First world war. Yeah. So I get it. Stop making alcohol because you use nothing but grain. It's nothing but corn. Let's yeah, ban it. Sugar. Yeah. And then we have to send all that to the troops. Makes sense. And economically, it makes sense. Absolutely. However, however, tell me why it didn't get abolished until two years after the war. <laughs> <laughs> it took a minute. It took a minute. So. Necessarily, like the government really thought that they were slick back in the day, right? Well, they still do. Oh, yeah, always. <clears throat> I said, This is a cautionary tale <laughs> of why you should never trust the government. <laughs> There's so many of those, okay? So, as I said, early 1900s, the idea of prohibition was seeming more and more to be a great idea, okay? Uh, as stated for the war, June of 1917, nationwide prohibition was proposed as a constitutional amendment and was passed later that year in December. Okay. So okay. Although it was ba- it was based on wartime intentions, the amendment was not ratified until January of 1919. Oh, okay. The National Prohibition Act was officially put into place on January 17th, 1920. Hell yeah, the roaring 20s, man. Yeah. Fucking right after that pandemic. <laughs> you know what? You can't drink now either. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so then what's fun about this is we as Americans, we're very right. hard-headed people. We are. I know this country was founded as a can like we're cancers, we're supposed to be sensitive to cancers, but we are hard-headed Tauruses. I've never met a more stubborn country. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh my gosh. So the National Prohibition Act was actually the 18th Amendment. Yes. To the Constitution. Now we Americans, we made sure to read over that amendment real quick. And we figured out very quickly ways to undermine that amendment. Absolutely. There's a loophole to every law. <laughs> So the most popular method of undermining prohibition was known as uh, bootleggers. Hell yeah. (laughs) So hell yeah. What bootleggers would do was they would steal industrial alcohols, which were still legal. And then they would rebottle them and then sell it as a drinkable beverage. Come on now. Just poison people. Absolutely. That's fun. So (laughs) 
The bootleggers business was so popular that an estimated 60 million gallons of industrial alcohol was stolen annually by the mid-1920s. Damn. Took them five years, and they were like, we got it. Millions of gallons. I mean, how many? Six? What? 60 million gallons. 60 million. Of industrial alcohol just, like, boosted. Because what you're never going to do is take our sauce. <laughs> it's kind of like how states are like we're gonna we're gonna provoke uh cannabis legalization we're like uh no you ain't you want to see a real insurrection truly <laughs> so the government or more specifically the treasury department ordered that manufacturers needed to poison industrial alcohol with yeah. additives yeah this was the birth of what is known as denatured alcohol yeah <laughs> Now, however, <laughs> these bootleggers got smart once again. And they renatured it. And Is they that the were a, yes. They were able, <laughs> they found ways to renature the alcohol and then they just continued selling their product as usual. Because what you ain't gonna do is take our sauce. So but what I love is just like some okay, this is probably like the most messed up like vision to have. But I just see this like really redneck person. It is, yeah. Just like breaking into like a factory stealing some alcohol yeah and then they go home to their like makeshift chemistry set yeah and then they're they're like like, their old uh what is it called a still sill still whiskey still distillery distillery right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so they probably went back to their Mm -hmm. broke down old whiskey still Mm -hmm. from back in 1918 when it was legal right (laughs) and then proceeded to attempt (laughs) to remove the poison from the liquid (laughs) that they were trying to sell to people And then we're brave enough to try that liquid. No, you paid your friend. You paid your <laughs> well, that's friend. That's why it's like, like, who tested this theory? Toothless Jimmy down the street who was getting... Um, Probably. Do you want some opium free alcohol? Coke. Yeah, you give him a little opium Coca-Cola. He gets good and high. All of a sudden, you're like, oh, I got whiskey. And then he's dead, but you've tested it. And now you know the poison hasn't been removed. And then you're like, it was that opium Coke. <laughs> it was opium Coke. <laughs> <laughs> so... Um, I literally said the bootleggers turned into chemists and they found ways to renature the alcohol. They've always been one thing you can say about like <sighs> they're always they're just if they just put their effort into school. Yeah, you could work for Dow Chemical and like have a nice house. Legit. But instead you decide to make like homemade like hillbilly meth, which mm-hmm. is good and whiskey, which is mm-hmm. also good, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is and it's funny because essentially um, for people that don't know what they were making was moonshine yeah and the reason it was called moonshine was because it was illegal yep. so everything that was made was made by the light of the moon of, uh, the, the shining of the moon off of those corn stills <laughs> <laughs> and clear liquids do what reflect light sure so do they would shine off the moon's light that's nice i do like a good moonshine <laughs> <laughs> i do too it's good <laughs> it's very strong it's very strong it'll get you drunk uh, and no no poisons <laughs> not now in present day 2021 i go to the liquor store where it's been tested by the <laughs> fda <laughs> um catching wind that you know they didn't stop the bootleggers from right. doing their thing uh the u.s government uh <laughs> ordered the companies to add even more deadly chemicals to the uh, denatured alcohol. Right. Specifically, they added uh, methanol. And then what happened was (laughs) people just started dying. Yeah. Because methanol is highly Highly toxic. toxic. (laughs) And people were like, in need of sauce and that's what so the bootleggers did attempt to denature it as best as they or renature it as, as best as they could, but they couldn't remove methanol is like it's highly toxic it's in there it's in it's literally in the sauce and i think one thing 
people need to know about this time that I just happen to know about prohibition. Mm -hmm. This was a time where in parts of like uh, remote parts of Pennsylvania and Tennessee and Kentucky, where Mm -hmm. they had all of these whiskey distilleries and stuff, um, the whole family, like the Mm -hmm. whole gang drank whiskey all day long. Yeah. Like uh, another big push for prohibition at this time was women um, because their husbands were drunk assholes, drunk assholes who beat the shit out of them. Their kids were also Mm -hmm. drunk assholes who were like burning down barns. Everybody was Mm -hmm. drunk. And so there was a big evangelical movement, especially among married white Christian women, to push for a prohibition because it sucked for them. Yeah. Even though the whole family was tanked. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. And then, you but, know, if you've been an alcoholic since you were eight. Yeah. In like, you know, 1892 or whatever. Yeah. You can put a little methane in there. It's not going to stop me. Yeah. <laughs> well, and that's what's so wild about this time period and just our country in general is that uh, our country is very... I'll say prude when it comes to a lot of things. Oh my God. And (laughs) it's funny because like people from other countries often ask, why are you guys so prude about this? Why are you so prude about that? And it's like, well, our country was literally made by like, just like hardcore Christians who didn't believe in the, in the English church. So then right. they like got banished to the Americas. And then they came here and they made it worse. And then they made their own like pseudo, pseudo religion. Yeah. And then that's why we're, that's why we are how we are today because some loony Christian person way back in the <laughs> 1700s was like, we shouldn't do this. Stop, stop drinking. <laughs> and, don't, and it's such a gag. Like we are a super prude country <clears throat> mm-hmm. and yet everybody's getting murked by AK 47s. Like we can't get a gun legislation to be passed. So we'll just murder children right. in elementary school. You can't They're see a woman's about the wrong things. You can't see a woman's nipple. In some states, sodomy is still technically illegal. I think Alabama still has it on the books, but they don't enforce it. But they can marry their cousin. Bruh, literally, you can marry all the way up to your first. Like, they passed that legislation. It does exist in some states. We're prude for the. But then we have, like, multi-billion dollar porn industry. We make no sense. It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Utter nonsense. And I think it's because people in America like to profit off of something that's considered taboo. So, like, porn. Yeah. is but then they like secret but then you have like new amsterdam and it's like the red, the light, red light district, district. Yeah. district. We, but then we won't okay People so we have in the windows and you're like okay we have this multi-billion if not trillion dollar porn industry yeah. based in multiple states in america yes. now because everybody's got an only fans and you're getting your checks and i'm not mad about it and then in the same breath, when people are like, okay, well, we need to talk about like legislation around sex yeah. work and protecting sex workers because the 70s was littered with serial killers who killed nothing but sex workers. Yes. And all of a sudden, you've got fucking McConnell uh, fucking from Kentucky, and he's like, oh, well, we can't legalize sex work, but you'll profit. On, like, we're you'll, talking like... You'll collect the taxes from sex work, but... but you don't want to talk about it, yeah. and so then it's just, we make no sense. It, do- it doesn't make any sense. No sense whatsoever. At all. So... Oh. <laughs> I'll say it. This intentional poisoning by the U.S. government. Yes. Like, because that's what's fucked up is the U.S. government knows it's a problem. Yep. They know that people, they they tried poisoning the alcohol. People still drank it. Right. And some did die from the initial uh, denaturing. Yeah. And they were like, well, fuck it. Make it stronger. Make yeah. it more deadly. So I'll say this intentional poisoning by the U.S. government yeah. led to the paralysis and death of thousands of Americans. Damn. Uh, specifically, one industrial alcohol called Ginger Jake was responsible for crippling approximately 100,000 Americans, and an estimated 10,000 of those people died from the consumption of denatured alcohol. Dang, Ginger Jake. Yeah. That's a fun name for a whiskey. So, right? yeah, this is, this, you know, the one time that the, the, the government purposefully poisoned its people. <laughs> oh, they've done that multiple times. Yeah. But this was like 100,000. Yeah. That's, that's large scale. Yeah. So this is this one I titled the mid-century onion debacle. <laughs> OK, 
like it. I picked some weird events no, in American I like history it. Yeah. because I didn't know about like I I obviously knew about prohibition and I knew about bootleggers, but I didn't know that. I didn't know that we were out here purposefully like oh, poisoning the alcohol. I did. Like I I I knew the basics, yeah. but I didn't know like details. Yeah. That's why I wanted to get into that one. This one <laughs> was very interesting to me. Okay. Okay. Because it led to becoming something about onions is illegal to this day. Long gets that. <laughs> okay. So, in the world of finance, a future is considered a financial contract contract <laughs> that permits buyers to purchase a commodity at some point in the future for a price that is set today. Right. Right. Okay. So, if like in this instance, the onions were a dollar three per bag today. Okay. So I bought a I bought the future, and that holds that dollar and three cents price tag for for the future like five years ten years yeah okay that makes sense so when purchased the buyer is hopeful that the price of the commodity will continue to rise so that they get a good deal on whatever product they're purchasing right oh didn't southwest do this with gasoline yes okay smart see i'm on yes i've been knowing stuff in 1955 the most successful future was none other than onions I get it. I it love onions. Me too. <laughs> I cook every meal with a good onion or a. Ooh, a I like raw onions. Shallots. Yes. Oh. Ooh, you don't need a lot. No, you don't need a lot. Of I put shallots. a lot in my tuna the other day, but I was still happy about it. Yeah. No. I, I like. I like that nice burn. Oh, you I get. love a good shallot. Anyway, so <laughs> <laughs> the most trade. So the most traded commodity on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange was the onion, and it made up to twenty percent of the future trades. Okay. That makes sense. I could see Illinois growing a lot of onions out there. Yeah, yeah that's a big yeah, yeah. state. Okay. So two men in particular, Sam Siegel and Vincent Koshuga? Koshuga. Koshuga. That's how, that's how I want to say it, but I don't <laughs> think that's right. Realized this and realized that they had a very rare opportunity. So in the fall of 1955, the two men purchased literal tons of onions Hell and yeah. onion futures. Hell yeah. They purchased so much, in fact, that they actually own 98% of all the onions in Chicago. 1955? Yeah. Holy shit. That's a uh, monopoly. Yeah. Yeah. I know words. <laughs> so by the end of that year, the total amount of onions that the two men owned equaled 30 million pounds. <laughs> That's a lot of so many onions. <laughs> and it's like a product that goes bad. It's a pro it's produce. Yeah. It's fresh produce. It's not like flash frozen or anything. Yeah. Ugh. So Essentially, what they did is they cornered the market right. and they began to short sell onion futures. This means that they were betting that the price of onions would decline. Only the two men, they weren't betting anything. No. To the outside world, it seemed like they're like, oh, they're they're taking a risk over right, there. Right, right. Risky, risky investments. But they knew that because they own 98% of the of the onions in Chicago, that the price of onions was going to drastically decline. Okay. So what they yeah. started doing were they were they started selling their futures. Okay. Okay. To to people like right. know, conning them into buying them, yeah, essentially. You get this dollar three future. You get this dollar three future. Okay. So at this point, you might be wondering, hey Vincent, <laughs> what's gonna happen to all these onions if like, they if they rot? Where if they it? go bad? What a smell! So <sighs> the two men uh, found a way around that as well. So what they decided to do was they sent the onions out. To be cleaned and repackaged. Literally, like, people would scrub, like, the mold off yeah. of the onions and then put them in a new bag. I mean. And then they would ship it back to them. I mean, the ga okay, so you know, first of all, onions mm -hmm. look different because uh, the outside of an onion actually has a skin. Absolutely. But what, so the beautiful part about this is that there's so many layers, you could just peel off the rotty yeah. bits. Yeah. And then you got that little core that nobody mm -hmm. likes. But then I guess you could just put that in a bag and sell it. Yeah. Okay. 
So interesting, gross, rotted food. This this plan did actually backfire on them because the abundance of onion shipments that were being received in the state of Illinois was misleading to futures traders, and it seemed like there was an abundance of onions on the market, even though they were the same onions that they saw last week. Gotcha. (laughs) (laughs) That's wild. So Siegel and Kushuga did end up making millions of dollars, but the price of onions dropped drastically to 10 cents per bag. Damn! Onion soup for days! Yeah, so this unfortunately did result in many farmers having to declare bankruptcy because their once very sought-after, like, crop was no longer worth anything. And a lot of, and like, at that time, a lot of farmers were doing, like, they had a main crop, maybe a smaller plot of land for something else, but, like, if onion was your gig... If you were an onion farmer... fucked yeah so the the commodity exchange authority caught wind of the onion con and launched a formal investigation into the two men onion con and in the end technically they didn't do anything illegal no they played the game they played the system but would it okay at this point though we had we had monopoly laws because that came up with uh with all the iron and ford and all that shit in the early 1900s so we had a monopoly law but they didn't it didn't extend to futures and it probably didn't extend to produce either, honestly. Yeah, so all they were doing was they were buying a product and selling it. Yeah. And then they were selling the futures, which there wasn't really, like, a lot of super tight regulations on futures at the time. Right. right. So technically, they weren't doing anything wrong. They just played the game well. They played the game very well. <laughs> Damn it. And, of course, like, all things in business, the only people who got fucked over were the people at the bottom, the people doing yes. all the work, like the farmers. Which know? is, that's what the American dream is. That's, that's capitalism. Uh, <laughs> Somebody has to suffer in capitalism. So in the end, the Commodity Exchange Act was amended to prohibit onion futures <laughs> trading. Yeah. Wait, all forever? Forever. No! To this day, this law is still in effect, which makes onions the only banned trading commodity in the United States. Damn! <laughs> What's his name? Kashugas? <laughs> Seagull and Kashuga. You know, and fucked up onions for everybody. Sam and Vincent. And I do love a good onion. But yeah, I just thought it was fascinating. One, because it's like such a classic tale of American greed. I mean, and honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Oh, my God. And then also, it's just funny that, like, the trade of, of onion futures is banned to this day. That that just makes me laugh. Because, like, we could do it. We just have to have regulations yeah. around it. And yeah. Not to sound too much like a Senator Warren, but <laughs> regulations are good for certain things so yeah. that this shit doesn't happen again. Yeah. Like, we've learned from it. Yeah. So now let us trade some onions. Yeah. Let's just wrap some rules around it. Yeah. Just. We are trash. We are trash as a country. And we make no so sense. wild. That is so funny. Well. Well, thank you for listening to this episode of <laughs> Sip and Tea. I'm your host, Andy. And I'm Mita. Make sure to follow our show wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you would like to follow me on Instagram, you can do so at MVP Andy. And you should follow me at Black Girl Jeeping because I did some stuff. And eventually I'm going to post some stuff. Go do that. That I did. Good. But I'm not going to put a timeline on it because she doesn't have she doesn't have rules. <laughs> rules or regulations. <laughs> I won't be doing that. <laughs> and make sure to follow our show on Facebook and Instagram at Sip and T303. And we'll talk to you next week. Uh, bye. This has been an MVP podcast. My Village Productions.